The following program is underwritten in part by Viagen Pets, the leading provider of animal genetic preservation and cloning services. Preserve the genes of your dog or cat to extend the special bond you share with them. Get your free information kit and special offer for animal radio listeners at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N-Pets.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Okay, we're going to head to the phones in just a couple of minutes for your calls for Dr. Debbie and dog father Joey Villani. And uh, on the show today, this is really cool. We're going to talk to a couple of residents of the Watermark Retirement Communities. These are retirement communities. Apparently, there's 38 of these communities coast to coast. And the beautiful thing, what makes this retirement community different than other retirement communities? Well, they love pets. They were founded by pet lovers, and they encourage pets. Pets are encouraged. So we'll be talking to a couple of residents, one who has his own dog there, and another one who has a visiting dog, uh, the director's dog, I, I guess, and apparently comes to visit her every day. Wow. So uh, that's on the way right here on Animal Radio. Also, uh, the author of Sad Animal Facts, and despite the title, it's actually fairly amusing, the book. <laughs> it's interesting. Very bizarre and strange facts about animals that you may not know, like the average mayfly lives less than a day. Think wow. About it. Never saw a sunset, perhaps. <laughs> yes, oh. I know. That's a, that is sort of sad. I'm really Okay, now that's brought, a sad one. Now brought you brought myself you down there. To bring good ones. Bring me up, Lori. What do you got coming up? Um, okay. Uh, remember, well, a famous animal. Okay. And four of this animal's clones, Debbie, Denise, Diana, and Daisy, oh. now almost as famous, what they have been able to achieve that their original animal couldn't. Oh, cloned sheep, animal. Sheep, I'm thinking. I'm guessing. Bad. <laughs> That's on the way in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Dr. Debbie, are you ready to take some calls? Yeah, let's go to it. Hey, Robert, welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? Good. I understand you want to talk to Dr. Debbie. Yes, I, I have a little problem child here. All right. What's going on? Well, the number one thing going on is, is she's, she's going... Uh, Either either before we put her outside or after we bring her back in, and we've tried Proin, and we've used uh, used uh, uh, what is it C dash D E S C dash, and we've we've checked everything. We've checked we we've had the ultrasound done. We've had blood work and mm-hmm. uh, your analysis. Everything comes back normal. And we're thinking this might be a psychological thing because she's always been really high anxiety. Uh, she's scared to death of thunderstorms, and, uh, and and we would like to keep her close at hand when 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 we do have storms in the area. But okay, I, I, I want to back up, what Robert. That, what kind of what kind of dog you got here? I didn't catch that. She's a, 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 we think, a terrier and probably a dachshund mix. Okay. And she's how old? And she's, uh, I want to say, somewhere in the neighborhood of 11 or 12 years old. Okay. And so just so I'm clear, she's having urine accidents or poop accidents? Y- urine accidents. And, and, and it's only like I say, urine. We, we've, we've searched out the possibility of it being accidents, and I just, I don't think it's an accident. I 
I, I feel like it's being done on purpose, and we don't know why. Okay. Where is she urinating, and is it always in the same place, or is she moving around? It's pretty much always in the same place. At, what we do now, we have a tile kitchen floor, and the kitchen back door leads to outside where they okay. go. Uh, we have four dogs. And uh, so... On rainy days, we lay down a blanket on the tile floor so when they come back in, they can wipe their paws. And and we lock them in the kitchen for, you know, a few minutes when they come back in. And then, of course, we open up the gate and they have the rest of the run of the house again. And uh, and that's been the norm for pretty much forever for all our animals. And uh, she'll go. And like I say, sometimes she goes before we let them out if that blanket is laying down there. But... What's what's really got me baffled is we started pulling the blanket up uh, okay. and only putting it down right when they come back in from outside, and all of that stopped. So she's not going mm. on the tile floor. She's not going anywhere else, but, but she continues to, if we leave that blanket down there for more than three or four minutes and, and take our eyes off of her, she will go on that blanket before she climbs upstairs. <laughs> okay, I got you now. All right, I see what's going on here. So I'm glad that you had a very good, thorough medical checkup because, you know, in a 10-year-old dog, you know, urine accidents can sometimes be a, a signal of a health problem. And the I think the reality of what it sounds like you got going on is you need to get rid of that blanket, man. You need to be drying these babies' feet off, um, taking that blanket and getting rid of it because it could very well be just something as simple as a marking behavior. Um, the door is kind of a social area. It's an interactive zone. It's kind of a transition so it could very well be that she's saying hey this is kind of the entry to my lair and um, I'm going to say this is you know our territory my territory and I'm going to urinate here if that is not there and she doesn't have urine accidents elsewhere um, I, I'm really led to believe that's the situation and you know, I dogs don't generally, they're not generally malicious creatures. They're, they're very kind-hearted animals. They're not like people. We're mean. <laughs> and they don't typically do these kind of things to get us mad or to piss us off. It's generally something either medical or something either social or uh, psychological. So um, I might be led to believe that you just need to make a decision to get rid of that blanket and know that that's going to be her trigger. That may be her preference, that her, that substrate that she really likes. And when it's in in that right spot, she's going to urine mark on it. And if all you got to do is take that away, then I think it's an easy solution. And uh, as long as she's not having accidents elsewhere, I'd say, yeah, it's a that's a human. Now behavior. we change we the blanket that. out all the time. Um, you know, I mean, if, if she if if she if she goes on it, we you know it immediately goes out and 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 gets rewashed, and then we you know. Of course, I don't care. I don't want you to put it down in the first place. You putting it down there is allowing her that opportunity. It's setting that environment just right. Doesn't matter that you wash it. She's just thankful that you are. You're flushing the toilet for her every time you do that. <laughs> and, so. You know, but we've been doing this in that same routine forever, and it's just been going on oh, maybe eight or nine months. And mm-hmm. so, is it just? I, I just wonder if there was any other kind of a trigger. You think just. Yeah, this is just, I mean, everything is just ringing. This is a, like I said, a social zone where, you know, dogs can very typically mark. Now, another solution, ways to maybe work around this. Hey, what about the idea of putting an, um, like an outdoor mat on the 
opposite side of that door, somewhere where the doggies can kind of maybe partially dry their feet. And then if they do, she does urinate on that. It's outdoors. It's not such a big deal where you have to worry about that being inside. Just just a solution. But for me, gosh, Robert, I just say get rid of that blanket and uh, return your household to a, you know, hopefully a toilet-free mess in that zone. Robert, thanks for your call. 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Brenda, welcome to the show. Thank you. What's going on? I have Dr. Debbie right here. Okay. Hi. I have, I think they're stray cats that's coming around and they're uh, urinating on my basement windows and I don't know how to stop them. Okay. And um, is it, do you have kitties that go outside or? I have uh, two female cats that's been uh, fixed and they okay. are outdoor cats. They are outdoors? Yes. Okay. So do you know if it's your cats doing this or other cats? I think it's other cats. I've never seen mine do that. I've always seen mine go out and dig a hole and go to the bathroom. Hmm. Okay. Because I guess it doesn't matter who's doing it. If there's cats outdoors and there's that access point, they're going to get over there and, and do what they do. So your question is how you, you want to stop that, on your particularly on your windowsills. Yes. So um, the trick is we have to make that environment so it's unfavorable to kitties um, in a kind and humane way. <laughs> so I'm a real fan of using the things that are uh, kind of don't take human intervention. You know, uh, people who yell and scream, hey, get off my lawn. You know, that's not going to help. Um, I'm a fan of using the uh, motion-activated uh, repellents. There's a whole bunch of different kinds out there. Little cans of the compressed air um, where basically it has a little eye where there's motion once that's set off on the um, detector. It gives off a burst of air, kind of like you're cleaning your computer keyboard. Um, and that's a very useful thing for just a situation, just for a spot that we want to keep a cat or you know, maybe even a dog out of that area. Um, so that would be something I could I would look at. And you can buy those online or pet stores. Um, there's oodles of different ones out there. Um, a couple other thoughts for deterring cats in areas we don't want them to go. One would be to get um, some good old Citrus peels, lemons, oranges. I, I'm a fan of the lemons because they're very potent. And you basically kind of put those in that vicinity. And, and generally, citrus is not appealing to cats. They don't really dig it. They don't like it. That's why you should never use citrus-scented cleaners in the litter pan. Um, but those little uh, citrus peels will go a long way to keep those kitties away. And then, you know, I've had some folks where they even will try... Um, these are more the um, kind of the hunting folks that do this, but they may get things like mountain lion urine that you can buy over at the hunting store and um, kind of treat those areas and see if that will help keep those little cats away uh, when they pick up the odor. Of course, then you still got the problem. You got urine odor. <laughs> so I guess that would be one you'd have to consider cautiously, but um, but that is something you could try as well. I like and then interest. Yeah, and then you, you know, you might really kind of watch if the incidence of this is in any way relation to your kitties. Um, so even if they're not doing it, those other cats and that process of your kitties going outside is kind of opening up the opportunity for those other cats to want to talk to them, if you will, and say, hey, I'm coming onto your turf. Here's my name. Here's my number. Give me a call. Um, so you, that uh, lifestyle of having the outdoor cat might be making you a little bit more prone to having these visitors come around. So might consider that. Okay. Well, I may. Try all of them. <laughs> Let us know how that goes. <laughs> Anything at this point, right? You know, right. cat pee is potent stuff. I don't well, blame I've you there. I've tried uh, mothballs. 
like I said, yeah. every time it rains, they dissolve. So. Yeah, and I'm not a fan of the mothball thing. M- many of the old-style mothballs contain some bad chemicals that are actually not good for animals, so we wouldn't want those around. So we'll give those a whirl, Carol, and hopefully that will help you out and keep those kitties piddling elsewhere for you. <laughs> Thanks for your call. This is Dr. Debbie. We're here, one 405 You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405 For over a decade, Biogen has been the leading provider of genetic preservation and cloning services of prized livestock with thousands of satisfied clients. Now announcing Biogen Pets, providing genetic preservation and cloning services to pet parents. Consider preserving the genes of your pet to extend the special bond you share with them. Get your free information kit and special offer for animal radio listeners at www.biogenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N-Pets.com. The warm weather is here, and that means dogs are outside getting muddy, smelly, and in need of a bath. Lucy Pet Products shampoos and conditioners are made with natural ingredients. They're available in terrific scents, like apple, blueberry, tropical, coconut, lavender, and even that new puppy smell, with all profits going to help animals in need. Find them at your local pet store and at Petco stores nationwide, or go to LucyPetProducts.com. Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics, canine caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at caninecaviar.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. This is where we celebrate the connection with our pets. And the toll-free number for you to call, Dr. Debbie or Dogfather Joey Volani, is 1-866-405-8405. And you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And coming up in just a couple of minutes, there's a retirement community that we're going to visit with. It's the Watermark Retirement Community, I believe, in Tucson, Arizona. Is that correct? Yes, but they have communities all over the country. 38 of them, in fact. 38, yes, coast to coast. What makes this retirement community different than other retirement communities? Well, they want your pets. They accept pets. Pets are encouraged because it was founded by pet lovers. Ooh, that sounds like a great place. Wow, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, of course. If if I end up in a assisted living home or a retirement community, I want my pet there with me. Because Heck yeah. Absolutely. We're going to talk to Betty Sanders and Joseph Lee. There are a couple of residents there. One uh, has a dog that apparently lives with him all the time mm-hmm. and is uh, rides around in a scooter with him. <laughs> Cute. So, and I'll put I'll put some of these pictures up over the website so you can see Joseph Lee and his dog on scooter. So that's on the way in just a couple of minutes. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? I'm going to tell you about a wild animal sanctuary that is now responsible for and taking care of a celebrity's former pet tiger. 
but not contributing to taking care of it. Oh, I hate it when those celebrities, they don't partake in the care of their animals. Yeah. But what is it? You you get famous and all of a sudden you you have to have a chimpanzee or a a tiger (laughs) walking next to you? It makes no sense. And then they end up getting rid of it. They never keep it. Or they run out of money. Yeah. That often happens, too. They spend all their money. Yeah. Okay, in just a couple of minutes, we'll check news. But first, let's go to the phones for your calls. 1-866-405-8405. Lainey, tell us from the very beginning, what is going on with your cat and what kind of cat you have and all the details? Tonkinese. Okay, you have a Tonkinese cat. What's going on? Okay. uh, Do I begin from taking her to the vet or did you hear that? Okay, I took her to the vet for teeth cleaning. And she, you know, was... No sign of bad health or bad breath or anything, but I take her in because I want to make sure she doesn't get any uh, gum problems. Anyway, make mm-hmm. a long story short, he said that she had gum disease, and he might have to pull out a couple of teeth. And uh, I said, okay. And without my knowing it, he pulled out all her teeth except two. Oh. Mm, and boy. I was so, <laughs> I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. And she hasn't been the same cat since then. And I think it, you know, I don't know how much you know about Tonkinese, but they're very, very sensitive. And uh, she's just a changed cat. And I, she won't eat anything I give her. She likes, uh, she liked uh, a couple of uh, cans that were gravy. Uh, and small pieces, but now she won't, well, they're not being made. They've been discontinued, and I'm really sad about it, but I don't know what to give her. And because the vet also said that she was on the uh, beginning stages of kidney disease. Okay, and that's what I was going to ask you next, is that besides the mouth issues, is there anything else going on that's uh, that, that they have identified as a health concern for her? Well, in the blood test, he said she was um, had signs of kidney disease, but that's all that he told me. Okay. And he said to bring her back in a couple of months, and he would give her another blood test. And meanwhile, was trying to get some information as to what might be some preventative measures because because he said nothing to me. And okay. I found out that food should be low ash and low protein. All right. Well, I think we may have a couple things here to address. And the first thing is, you know, it's horrible when I hear a story of, you know, going in for a dental cleaning and coming out with, like, no teeth left. And sometimes as a veteran, I'm sorry? He didn't even let me know that he was, that yeah. he was going to do it. He said he may have to take out a couple of teeth but not her whole mouth. Well, on the veterinary end of things, it it is honestly very hard in that examination room to lift up the lip and to give an accurate assessment of which teeth and how many are going to have to go because that's just the beginning of the exam. We learn so much more when we get the pet under anesthesia. Now, there are times, and I'll admit, in my office where I may be blindsided until I get into that dental exam and the pet's under anesthesia and I go, holy cow, there is no way this pet has a healthy mouth. We believe they did when we checked them in for that dental, but 
then we get in there and we probe and we feel for instability. A lot of cats can get what they call root lesions, which are kind of like cavities that eat away at the, the surface of the tooth. So a lot of these things can happen under the gum line that we just don't know about. And I'm not excusing removing all the teeth without your knowledge, because I think that's a joint decision and a discussion that I would want to have with um, any pet owner. But I can see many cases where we've had dogs and cats where the teeth need to be removed because they are diseased. So if they needed to be removed, then I think that's probably get past that, and, and that was hopefully a good thing for her medically. But most of the kitties and the dogs, that once they have the bad teeth taken care of, their appetite and their activity and all that should kind of turn around. Uh, she's just a changed cat, and I'm really upset about it. Yeah. And it, as much as it, I know it may seem that, you know, a dental procedure has caused that, I don't want to jump to that conclusion because I, I think there's a lot more that I, I don't know in this story. And knowing that there's some kidney disease, for me, is a really big red flag because if we have kidney disease, some of the process as that kidney has as the kidneys have problems we can see changes in appetite we can see gi problems so i would really want to know more about those kidneys so if those tests were high and the veterinarian said come back in a month and we're not doing well during that month i'd, take, I'd go back sooner animal radio is underwritten in part by viagen pets the leading provider of animal genetic preservation and cloning services. Preserve the genes of your dog or cat to extend the special bond you share with them. Learn more at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N-Pets.com. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. on Animal Radio. Live simply so that others may simply live. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. The heirs of Dolly the Sheep. Whoa, that's a blast from the past, huh? They are putting a lot of fears to rest since they have basically proven that cloned animals can live long and very normal lives. Now, if you don't remember Dolly the Sheep, she was the very first animal clone that used a technique that did not use sperm. It was just cell tissue. And that was back in 1996 in Scotland. But Dolly died young in 2003. She was only six years old, and that was after she had developed osteoarthritis and a lung infection. So it set off a whole lot of fears then that cloned animals, you know, they might age more 
quickly than normal offspring we just didn't know. Well, now we find out that 13 other cloned sheep, including four clones of Dolly, are still in good health since reaching between the ages of seven, nine, seven and nine, rather, which is about 60 to 70 in human years. The four sheep that were cloned using the same genetic material as Dolly are kind of named after her. They're all named with D names. They're Debbie, Denise, Diana, and Daisy, and they have all just had their ninth birthdays. However, unlike Dolly, who was his super science project, who was housed indoors mostly for security reasons, the Dolly clones these days now live mostly outside. Remember when rapper Tyga had a pet tiger a few years ago? Then authorities found out that, gee, he didn't have a legal permit to keep it, so the tiger was taken away from him and put into an animal sanctuary. You remember that? Well, according to TMZ now, the rescue sanctuary, which is Lions, Tigers, and Bears, that's the name of it, and they take care of Tyga's former tiger, they say the rapper has not made any effort at all to help out with funds to care for it, And it cost them, the rescue, over $10,000 a year to feed the tiger. And that doesn't even include vet cost and other expenses. That was the same thing with Michael Jackson. When they took his animals from his zoo that he had in Santa Barbara, he wasn't contributing towards their care either. These sanctuaries had to shoulder the responsibility. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's not right, I don't think. Um, on the much lighter side, guys, the Pet Insurance Division of Nationwide is at it again, and they've compiled their list of the 10 wackiest dog and cat names from their database of insured pets. And they've now selected the 10 finalists in their contest, and they have turned to the Internet asking you to vote for a dog or cat with the wackiest name, or you can vote for both. And the names are pretty cute. Some of them are, uh, the top entries include Kanye Westy, Butch Katsidi, uh, Optimus Prime Rib, Lieutenant Colonel Bebek Soon, Agent Jack Meower, Angus Von Wigglebottom. I think that's very cute. <laughs> Last year's winning dog name was Baron Von Furry Pants for the dog, and Leonardo DiCaprio was the wackiest cat name. Oh, gosh. I'm Lori Brooks. You can get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. I was just uh, brought to my attention... The Watermark Retirement Communities. This is a retirement community founded by pet lovers, and they encourage pets within the communities. I think that's awesome. That's an awesome. We know how much pets can be a great saving grace for all of us. And we're talking to Betty Sanders. She lives in an assisted living neighborhood. Hi, Betty. How are you? Not good today. I don't know why. Coughing a lot. Coughing a lot. Okay. Well. Yeah, I haven't seen my doctor. I called. Dr. Mocha. Her name is Mocha. Uh-huh. But she's like a doctor. That's her name. Well, hopefully she'll come on out and fix you up. <laughs> she'll be here in a minute. Okay. She well, knocks on the door and cries and barks until somebody opens it and lets them in. Oh, yeah, so oh, this is your dog. Your dog that you're talking about? It's not my dog. It belongs to the uh, supervisor here at this place. But the dog fell in love with me, and, and I love her. What What's the dog's name again? Mocha. Mocha. So she calls her Doctor Mocha. Doctor Mocha. Doctor Mocha. 
I get it. So what kind of dog is Dr. Mocha? She looks for everybody that's sick here. And when I came in, I was kind of depressed. Yeah. And this dog made sure she came to me every day. Yeah. So she belongs to one of the, the directors there, but she hangs with you all day, huh? All day, every day. She hasn't been there today because I'm, I'm in the bed sick today. But it, she does not know that I'm sick. Well, uh, you know what? I'm pretty sure animals, when they see you, they know exactly what's going on. So as soon as Dr. Mocha gets there, she'll know that you need some care, right? Oh, sure. She jumps right in the bed and puts both paws and looks me dead in the eyes. You know, I just love that little dog. She's better than most people. She she makes you feel pretty good, huh? Yes, she does. She cheers me up. What kind of dog is she? She's mixed with something. She's very little. She looks like a puppy. I call her puppy, Dr. Mocha and puppy. Uh-huh. But she's not a puppy. She's seven years old. Yeah. Does Mocha hang out with any of the other people there? Only the one across the hall from me that was very ill. She was coming to the door and look at me, and she looks as if to say, you're okay, I'm running over here. <laughs> she goes over there. But the lady left yesterday. She's gone to get better care. So how, how did you meet Mocha? Mocha met me. Okay. <laughs> she said, there's the people that say, well, that's your dog? Your dog's been barking and scratching on the door. And I didn't realize it. And she I, she scratched and barked until I let her in. That's it's, how I met her. It seems kind of rare to see animals in any kind of assisted living facilities. <laughs> it's just one small one. Everybody knows Mocha. Oh, that's great. The maintenance people, wherever they say, come on, Mocha, we're going to let you out, because I couldn't take her out myself. I was not going to take the dog out without a leash. She she never had a leash before. So I, I just could not sit. I've had many dogs myself until I got sick. So I said, I will not take a dog out. But this dog is well trained. It's better than some children I know. <laughs> That's the truth. No, I I believe you. She will walk. You tell her walk to the right side of you, and I've taken her down to the first floor and everything, and she walks right with me. Does Mocha ha- say, "Oh, what a cute dog! What is that? What's that?" She ignores him. She walks right right with me. It- she gets on the elevator like a little person. <laughs> <laughs> is is she trained? She's been well trained. When I'm eating, uh, her owner says to me, "Oh, she says all I do is tell her that's rude, and I don't bake you for your food. Don't you bake me for mine? And go to your chair." And she goes and gets. When I tell her that, she looks at me and she goes, walks away and gets in the chair. And I said, "Head down." She puts her head down when she can't see me. Oh, how cute! She's brilliant. Well, Betty, yeah. thank you so much for, for talking with us today and telling us about Mocha, and I, I hope she gets there soon. I don't want to give her my cold. I don't know what I have. I, I'm coughing a lot. Well, we anyway. I, I asked my doctor last week if my my pets can get the colds that I have, and they they said no. So oh, good. You're probably okay. Okay. And you will find her. <laughs> yeah, and you won't get distemper or any of those dog diseases either. Okay. So. <laughs> I don't worry about that. Just, just I don't explain this. I guess it is. I don't know what it is. Well, Betty, thank you so much for talking with us today, and give Mocha a big old hug from all of us. Okay. I will. I will. Thank you so thank much. Bye bye. Okay, and now we head over to another part of the community where five residents actually have small dogs, all of them under 15 pounds, and we're actually talking to Joseph Lee this today. How are you doing, Joseph? 
signs or how much is there. Very good. So now you have uh, you have a dog that you ride around on your scooter, is that correct? Yes, I do. I guess everybody told you about that. Her name is Miss Marty, and she's 15 years old. Miss and she's active. And is she your dog? Yes, my dog. Yes. And did you select that particular community because they allow animals? Yes, sir. I don't know too many communities that allow animals. That's pretty cool. You, you pay your fee when you first move in. I've been here a year and a half. And yeah. Everybody, everybody here knows my dog. Her name is Miss Marty. She's a purebred poodle, and she's blonde. Yeah. Uh, and there are other uh, residents in the community that also have pets there? Oh, yes. There's Miss, Miss China and... Uh, uh, Dabney Blue, and uh, who's, it's, it's three or four other ones, you know. Are you going to go for a scooter ride later? Oh, yeah. We've been out early this morning, and now we're going to go for a ride. Now, it's 91 outside, so <laughs> she just has to wallow in the grass and stuff, and she's squirrel. What a wonderful, wonderful story. Joseph Lee, thank you so much for talking with us today. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Joseph Lee, also part of the Watermark Retirement Community, so... I'm telling everybody now, that's where I'm going when I no retire. Kidding. Because I want to bring my animals with me, okay? Yes, Save me a space. Very important. Well, this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more at redbarninc.com. And thank you so much, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, I'm Ed Asher, and you're on Animal Radio. Spay or neuter your animals, you dummies. Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics, canine caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at caninecaviar.com. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Let's go to Jill. Hey, Jill, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Where are you today? I'm in Orlando. Orlando. Listening in Orlando. Thank you so much for doing that. How can we help you, Jill? So I I was hoping for just some advice from Dr. Debbie. I have have an older dog. Um, She was recently had a mass removed and was diagnosed with spindle cell sarcoma. It oh, goodness. Back, okay. Yeah, it came back in grade one. We found it pretty early, so it was still a really small um, little lump, but there were still cells left outside of the margin area after it was removed. Okay. And I just, I have so much advice coming from different directions. Everything from the facility that operated wants to do radiation. You know, my husband and uh, and my vet, well, my regular vet, he supports anything, but my husband and I are also thinking, well, maybe at her age, we just wait and see, because they also said if it comes back, they can just um, remove it, um, remove the lump again. So I don't know. I was hoping for your advice, because with all of that said, if we do go the path of waiting and seeing, um, 
I'm not sure what to expect as far as how long it takes to come back, you know, and, and if it becomes a more critical terminal type case, what is that like? So I was hoping for just your opinion on those things. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. And um, as far as uh, spindle cell sarcoma kind of fits within a group of tumors that we call uh, soft tissue sarcoma. So they're malignant, they are aggressive tumors, they are types of tumors. We see a lot in uh, dogs and cats on the legs, like on the joints, um, kind of in, unfortunately, hard to access areas to treat effectively with surgery alone. Um, the t- general class of these tumors, they tend to be uh, very good at growing in that area. So they, they can be very invasive in the area, um, and they can actually metastasize and spread um, elsewhere in the body. And it depends a little bit on the grade of the tumor. So with the lower grades of uh, uh, spindle cell sarcomas having less tendency to spread um, as some other ones. Um, yeah, we were lucky that hers was a grade one. So we, I mean, if we can be happy about anything, we were happy about that. Yeah. So, and, and we're kind of going on odds. So we're going off the kind of the characteristics of the average grade one versus two versus three. So grade ones do tend to be more slow to grow. So, and, and I understand you've had it biopsied or it was removed once completely. It was removed. It was, it was we, removed. We biopsied and then we went ahead and we had it removed. Okay. Got it. Got it. And then at that point they saw um, incomplete margin. So this saw tumor on the, which isn't uncommon with, um, with uh, this type of tumor. The spindle cell sarcomas are, are really very hard to get because we generally want to get about three centimeters on either side of the tumor. And that's just sometimes not even possible with the location of these tumors. So this, this is what I would tell you. I have a, actually a good amount of clients that are struggling with this very same problem is we have older pets that are in an age where they're maybe not the most amenable to a radical surgery um, or a lot of intensive surgery. So we have to say, what are our odds? At a grade one, this is going to be slowly progressive, Um, but we do know that um, it will grow back. Um, So a second surgery doesn't really necessarily buy us a lot of time. Um, So I always kind of question what our goals are with going back a second time because it's better to control it surgically the first time and to try to knock it out as best as possible. And, you know, if they've talked to you about radiation therapy, by far that's one of the best therapies we can for this type of tumor because it helps to kill those cells that are kind of left behind, those invaders that are still hanging out there. Um, but it is, you know, it's with repeated anesthesias and, and uh, radiation treatments. Um, so the good thing is if you're in the area where that can be done, it's accessible. In our area in Las Vegas, it's not even accessible here. I have to send people to California to get it done. Wow. So it, it's not even on the table for most of my clients um, within reasonable limits. I can tell you it will come back, and I can tell you it's going to eventually get to a point where um, the morbidity associated with that. So a lot of these tumors will end up opening up um, and starting to cause problems. And um, in many cases, there's a, a decision eventually made, if we're not going for, further with surgery, that we have to step in at some point and talk about euthanasia. So whether or not you make that decision to do radiation therapy, um, it really is best done at the time of the first surgery for the best chance Mm -hmm. of cure. The other steps that we get to, and this also becomes a little less favorable with an older gal, is um, amputation. 
that's one way we can stop this in its tracks. If we can't do radiation therapy, we could amputate a limb if it's on a limb. And um, that, at least for the clients that I've had with this real recently, um, these were older pets that had other joint problems, hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia. They didn't have three other good legs to walk on. So doing some radical surgery wasn't really the best choice for them. And that, I think, you know, only you and your vet can, can answer that if that would be a consideration for your dog as well. So now, let me ask you, it just, and I know obviously every case is completely different, but on average, about how long does it take for tumors to grow back? Well, the quickest I've seen it has been a matter of a few weeks. Um, the the more prolonged ones, um, I've had one dog, I can think of her with her tumor. It was present probably a year and a half, um, kind of slowly progressive. Um, only at the very end did it start to stretch the skin to where we had, you know, skin wounds and opening up, mm. and it was really starting to cause a problem. They can be enormous, um, size of a basketball sometimes. Because wow. this is on her elbow, is that correct? Yeah, it's on her front elbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly where the dog that um, that I'm referencing, where hers was located as well. Um, so yeah, she she had about a year and a half of um, carrying this this thing around, but she seemed to do fine otherwise. So I know I didn't really answer your question, um, but I think kind of how your goals for what level of care that you do really want to embrace for her. Um, but if you do want to try to knock this out and do everything possible, then the radiation therapy really at this point would be the best step to try to make that happen. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joy Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. In just a few minutes, we're going to visit with author Brooke Barker. And she's written a book. She's actually drawn and written a book. It's a, it's a cute little cartoon book. You know how I like my cartoon books. Yes, we do, Hal. She has sad animal facts, and they're actually pretty intriguing facts. And where was the one that I was... Uh... They really are interesting. Yeah, where did it go? Oh, here. Turtles breathe out their butts. Did you know that? I have to say, that's news to me. <laughs> this is just one of the fascin- fascinating and amazing facts that we'll learn in just a couple of minutes with... Brooke Barker. There was another one, Hal. You're a big lover of sloths. Yes, I am. I love myself. And you know that there are some species of moss that only live on sloths. There you go. My next life, I want to be a moth that lives on a sloth. There you go. A moth sloth. Yes. (laughs) Or sloth moth. (laughs) Sloth moth. Say that five times fast. (laughs) So, Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? I see Sunday's pretty quiet this week. Yes, she is. You know what I did? I, I opened the gate. And brought her into my office, my studio with me, and she is not making a sound. So she's a whole six feet closer to me, but very happy today. Oh, good. I'm glad she's adapting. And how long yeah. do you think she will be with you? Because you are fostering her, right? 
Yeah, I am right. Uh, but I'm trying to, um, you know, get her pictures out there and stuff and let people know because she is a senior dog. She's eight. Okay. And uh, had a pretty tough life. So I'm just hoping that we can find the, the perfect home. But, you know, as with most fosters, I think if we don't find that perfect home, she is welcome to stay here with me as long as she wants. You could become a foster failure. I could. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> okay, that's on the way. Let's go to the phones for your calls first. Toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five, or you can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I believe we have Paul on the phone. Hey, Paul, how are you doing? Just fine. How are you today? Good. How can we help you? Well, I uh, would like to speak to Doctor Debbie about uh, a allergy problem with my miniature Schnauzer. Yeah, you didn't recognize her today because she has this uh, ponytail thing going on. A little pigtail thing. Sounds very young. (laughs) What's going on with your schnauzers? Well, I have two, and uh, they're three and a half years old, and one is fine. Uh, After two years of feeding the same feed, I I feed lamb and rice, uh, pedigree lamb and rice. Okay. And uh, she developed a skin allergy. I've had her to the vet three times. I spent a little over a thousand dollars at this point. Wow! And uh, the vet uh, keeps giving me different medications. Now, there's one medication he gave me for her ears that work real well. Her ears actually, the allergy actually closes her ears up, and it it works real well. But she still has problems with her skin. Okay, I, what does she have her, going on with the skin? What's it look like? It's red and inflamed. Uh, at one point, she lost all the hair on her stomach. And now it's all come back. Uh, I give her a bath every every week when I come in off the road. She, they, the kids stay home with Mama uh, while I'm on the road. Uh-huh. And uh, I give her a bath every week with the special oatmeal shampoo. And then it seems pretty good. Uh, it smells. It has an odor. Like uh, I even mentioned to the vet, I thought uh, it smelled like um, maybe a... Uh, yeast infection like old socks <laughs> yeah it does and her yeah. her fur gets out almost sticky okay yeah yeah and uh then uh when i give her the bath she seems a lot better the next morning it isn't as inflamed and then by the time i get home the next week we start all over again so you're trying a bunch of different medical regimens has that included um, you mentioned some antihistamines has that included any other type of anti-itch medicines antibiotics any other types of products he seems to be really be uh hooked on benadryl and i i don't want her living on benadryl the rest of her life mm-hmm. uh, okay is there any problem with her taking benadryl for an extended period of time you know, there's really not as long as, you know, everything else is healthy. Um, and, and for some pets with mild allergies, there's absolutely nothing wrong with treating them with an antihistamine, um, almost as a sole therapy. The problem becomes when we have a pet that their itch or their skin disease is, is bad enough that that just doesn't do enough. So um, if that's a situation for your baby, then I'm going to say, yeah, I would like to address some of the other things that may be present. And one big thing that you said is that smell, that kind of stinky smell where 
where there's actually like a sticky feel to the skin, there's probably other things kind of tagging along with um, allergies at that point. So allergies kind of trigger this whole cascade of other things in the body, yeast infection, bacterial infections. Um, so there's other things that I would do. And I usually like at my office, I like to get a little progressive about some of these things. I take skin sa- skin, skin samples, say that a lot of times, five times fast, <laughs> and look under the microscope because we learn a lot when we look at the surface of the skin. And it may very well be that uh, we need to try an antibiotic round. Um, we may need to try oral yeast medicines um, to treat what is actually going on in that surface of the skin. Kind of like that, you know, that one commercial where those little green guys are dancing around and they're having a good time down in the people's lungs. That's the way I like to look at the skin is that there's other stuff dancing around there that we just can't focus on just the allergies alone. Uh, that I being said... <laughs> well, I I'm, I'm not dissing your vet because, like I said, Benadryl is, is great in some situations. But um, And then the other thing we look at with allergies is that we can treat allergies symptomatically. We can't cure them, um, but we can also take a step further and try to find out ways that we can avoid them, um, certain triggers, or we can try to kind of change the immune system a bit to try to make it react differently to those allergens. So for some pets, allergy testing is a way to go, either doing that with a skin testing, um, usually through a dermatologist, um, or through a blood testing. So there's a lot of other things we can try in that realm if we really want to get to the nitty-gritty there. Um, okay. And, um, you know, medication-wise. you spoke a lot about uh, food allergies. Uh, she's had the same food all her life. She doesn't eat any people food at all. Uh, the only time she gets treats is on the weekends when daddy's home. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that's chicken. I stay completely away from beef because I have a pet skunk also. And uh, (laughs) the skunk can't eat beef at all. So yeah, food allergies can play definitely a role with, you know, layering on top of uh, inhaling allergies or what we call the seasonal allergies. So not, nothing's wrong with lamb and rice. Um, it used to be a great allergy diet many, many years ago, but eventually pets can get sensitized to that. So um, it might be worthwhile to switch to an alternate protein, maybe something like a duck potato-based food or a venison-based food, and to go with that for a couple months and see if, you know, some of the skin signs, if there's any improvement, because it really can make a difference for a good proportion of of people, pets out there. I'm having trouble with the peas today. What is this here? (laughs) (laughs) But I would definitely give that that a whirl there, Paul. I mean, um, you know, if you're not happy with what... I would work work through a veterinarian because um, we really want to go with um, a special hypoallergenic diet. So not that there's not good general foods out there, but if we're working for allergies, we want to get your pet on the right thing. Make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck. Um, and your vet, veterinarian can you direct you the best way there. Should my wife not- uh, separate the two girls at feeding time and feed her the, the special diet? I sure would, yeah. One. Okay. Yeah, unless your other pet had the same problem, um, but I don't see a reason because in a lot of these cases, you know, we treat the food as a type of medication almost, so we don't really need to give it to the other dog. You know, we're not going to probably do that. I so, was yeah, so but... happy you people came on to XM. Oh, well, thank you very much. So uh, are we. Glad to be here. <laughs> you're very informative, and you're also very entertaining. Oh, well, good. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dad. Thank I thank you very, very much. Paul, we appreciate your call today. 1-866-405-8405. 
Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, the Robert Semro Pet Olympic Games event list. That's right. I, like so many other people, really enjoy watching the Olympics. Tremendous athletes from around the world coming together to take part in a series of sporting events. And that got me to thinking, what if we did that for the pet world? First off, I'd love to see a few animal track and field events. So I'm going to start off with the 100-meter dash, and I want to see the fastest dog breeds tee off and race for supremacy. My top five breeds would be Greyhounds, Salukis, Vizlas, Dalmatians, and German Shepherds. The speed on that track would certainly thrill all. And in the cat division, I'd enjoy watching the following breeds. Bengals, Savannas, Manx, Siamese, and Aussicats. Then in a bragging rights face-off, I'd love to see the winners duke it out. That's right, speed on speed. I also love to see people flying through the air. And it's incredible to see them reach those heights and distances. However, I'm more impressed when I go and watch an extreme vertical or big air event at a dock dogs competition. These dogs go vertical on average of 7 to 8 feet and oh yeah, grab a toy while doing so. They can fly 28 feet plus chasing their favorite toy in the big air events. I want to see a pole vaulter or a long jumper make their leap and grab a power bar while doing that. Then I'll be impressed, Olympians. My favorites for the vert event or the big air would be Belgian Malinois, Whippets, Labrador Retrievers, Border Collies, and of course my favorite, the Mixed Breed. And in the cat non-water landing division, I'll go with the Savannas, Bengals, Turkish Fans, and Siberians. That'll keep me glued to my TV set. Or like many cat lovers, the internet. Cat lovers, I haven't forgot about our shining event. If you know cats, you know climbing and leaping and gymnastics is a breeze for them. So instead of humans, bring out the cats. Let's revamp the gymnastic apparatuses and watch as these cats put on a show. My choice would be Abyssinians, Siamese, Bengals, Burmese, and Siberians. And bird lovers, I know you want in on the action and that you'd prefer a flying event. I understand that, but as the president of the Robert Semro Pet Olympic Committee, I've decided that we'll have birds compete in birdie basketball and the Staircase 100. That's right, bird breeds like parrots playing basketball is often more entertaining than what the human games give us. Also, different bird breeds using their feet and wings to come down the stairs in a safe yet highly entertaining manner is just what the sporting world needs. You know, I could go on for weeks, like the human version, but I'll end this by saying one of the best outcomes of these games would be the people spending time with their pets, being active and cheering on these incredible animals. I want you to share your Pet Olympic event ideas on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Geico presents Kathy, the candid real estate agent. In the master bedroom, you'll see there's room for a king-size bed. And take a look at this walk-in closet. Now just imagine all these custom shelves and drawers turned upside down when a thief goes through them to take your entire vintage sneaker collection. It's hard to know all that comes with buying a home or condo. That's why the Geico Insurance Agency makes getting covered for personal property loss and damage quick and easy. Call Geico today and see how much you could save on condo and homeowners insurance. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio. True fact about the Pet Shop Boys, never owned a pet shop whatsoever. It's <laughs> kind of misleading. Thought I'd throw that in there. 
It's, it's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets toll-free. Call us. Or you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And the uh, So if you don't want to do the app, you can call us. Here's the number, one 866 405-8405. Looks like we have a couple lines open right now for Dr. Debbie or for Joey Villani. In just a few minutes, we're going to be talking to the author of a book called Sad Animal Facts. And as sad as the title is, it's actually a pretty cute little book. It's a cartoon book. And we'll have giveaways for this. Uh, I think, can I share some of the facts before she comes on the air? Okay, go ahead. There's some interesting stuff. Yes. Uh, let's see. Which facts should we share? How about this? It's funny that it's cartoons, and I knew you would have read it already. Well, as people know, I love picture <laughs> books and cartoon books. They're, they're my favorite. Uh, giraffes sleep only three hours a night. This is a unfortunate fact. They probably don't know what dreaming is. But three hours a night, I, I can't get by without at least nine hours a night, which seems... <laughs> I know it seems a little bit excessive, but, you know, my little brain needs a lot of sleep. Uh, So we'll find out some more sad animal facts with Brooke Barker in just a couple of seconds. Oh, here's another one. Baby whales gain 200 pounds a day. So if you think your diet's out of whack, think about these guys, 200 pounds a day. Yeah, you said Brooke Barker? Brooke Barker is her name. Perfect author name for a book like that. I wonder if it's her real name. Hmm. What are you working on over there in the newsroom? Uh, I'm going to tell you about something that mostly women do that really upsets and stresses out horses. But truthfully, I I think some men could do this too, but it's mostly women. (laughs) Wow. What do we do? That is a great tease. I am going to stick around for Maybe talk too much or something. That that makes you think. Yeah, maybe they talk too much while they're on the horse. It drives the horse crazy. Yeah, that's what I would guess. It's probably talking too much. Women talk more than men. Oh, boy, I'm going to get the letters now, huh? (laughs) Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five, and we go to Debbie. Hey, Debbie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's going on today? Um, the question um about my little male Shih Tzu. He's going to be twelve next month, and it started out with his foot shaking, you know, kind of uncontrollably. And it's gotten so bad, it's kind of spreading all over. And this isn't just constantly, it's, you know, intermittently, and I have to sometimes just grab his leg to stop it. He's healthy in every other way, and I just wondered, does that just come with age? You know, is it a palsy, epilepsy, you know, what is it? Okay. So he has not done this his whole life. This is something just more recently that he's acquired. This is coming on in the past year, just with, with older age, yeah. Okay. So is this the front leg or the back leg this is happening on? You know, it started with his back leg. Um, you know, like he'd be sleeping. And at first I thought he was dreaming. And like I said, it just started like a year ago. And, you know, now it's especially in the morning in the whole body. But usually, you know, it's now it's the front legs are involved. And I have to physically grab onto him you know, to stop the leg. But like I said, he's happy, he's healthy, he eats well. Okay, you know, so it's his, well. it's, it started as his back leg and now it affects the, the front leg on the same size or all, side or all of his legs? All, all of them sometimes, all but them. not all at once. It's always different. Okay. Um, and then, you know, of course in the winter he's cold, you know, he'll shake, but it's mm-hmm. been really warm here. Um, and he'll get up, and he's kind of got uncontrollable shaking all over. So even if he's moving around and walking, he's got the same shaking that's happening? No. 
It's only when yes, he's lying when he's down? sitting or still or laying down or asleep. Okay. All right. Well, this is definitely interesting. And does he have any kind of seizures or any kind of pain or hesitation jumping up on things? No. He actually, okay. he actually does his racetrack, you know how they do, just like a puppy still. <laughs> you know, he's very, very healthy. I mean, he does have a kidney stone that they found a year ago that we're going to leave alone. We're watching it. But that's his only health problem. Okay. Well, this, the fact that this did start in one limb and has proceeded to affect the others does make me worry that, that this could be something more affecting his general nervous system. Because we do sometimes see problems just localized to one leg or one part of the body if we're dealing um, with, say, like a spinal problem, a disc that's bad, that's causing pain, and that can cause some uh, issues with a single leg. But the fact that this is hitting all of his legs definitely makes me worry more about things with in the brain, so whether that's something uh, of an inflammation or an infection like an encephalitis, um, a meningitis, um, and and those kind of things can be due to bacterial infections, it can be due to viruses, it can be due to just age and um, immune-driven problems. So um, that would be something that I think you would definitely need to see your veterinarian to have that evaluated, because the other things that we look at are going to be other types of um, neuroprogressive diseases, whether those are primarily within the brain or within the spinal column. Is this um, usually symptoms of epilepsy? It can be in some ways. So there are dogs that have grand mal seizures, which affect the whole body. They tremble. There are dogs that have petite mal seizures, and those can be just focal seizures. So they can affect just a single part of the body, a single leg. Um, it's possible that it could be affecting all of his other limbs, but I typically see petite mal seizures affecting just kind of more of a focal spot, the front leg, the back leg. Um, I've had dogs that just kind of their eyes twitch or they steer up into space and their facial movements, um, they make facial no, movements. None of that, no. So, yeah, so I think this is definitely something more going up higher in his brain. Now, I have my suspicions we would have to do some basic testing to start things off and then from there decide, you know, if we're going to take the next step and do, you know, more neurologic testing for him. He's getting ready to go in for his shots and stuff. So I will mention it to my dad. Just because you don't have time to read a book doesn't mean you can't enjoy stories about artists and groups that you love. To discover a whole new world of audiobooks and hear the stories that made the music, visit HappyLandAudio.com. That's HappyLandAudio.com. Alan Cable with today's Goose Story. Lucy, you got some flaming goose. That's Bob. He's got some geese that are named after sitcom characters, and they just want to stay together. I always loved I Love Lucy. Bob's afraid he might have to get rid of the geese. I said you have 10 days to get rid of it. He lives in the town of Beloit, and there's an ordinance that prohibits his geese. It was a shock. Bob's also disabled, so he's medically allowed to have the geese. As therapy pets. I have to get up and let them out every day. Bob started a Change.org petition that already has a 1,000 signatures from all over the world. One of the first long-distance one was Alaska, and I was excited about that. Then it started coming in Australia, Germany, Japan, <laughs> just everywhere. Bob has to pay 200 bucks out of his own pocket to make a variance request, and there's no guarantee he'll get to keep his geese. Once something gets in your heart, and it's there, it's embedded in you, and they're embedded in me, and I'm embedded in them. This is Animal Radio, baby. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Women and girls who ride horses but do not wear a sports bra, you heard me right. 
<laughs> they could be causing undue stress to the horse. That's according to a study by Portsmouth University. And apparently, friends, a lot of women give no regard to what kind of bra they wear when they're horseback riding. So, you know, I, I think these little niches in the markets are, are always looking for something that they can pick out that will make people more aware. And this, I guess, is about the sports bra market. So they did a survey of females who ride horses in various disciplines, and they found that less than one in five regularly wore a sports bra for riding, even though they say it can lead to poor posture on the part of the rider and musculoskeletal problems as well, and that those are sensed by the horse. And then there's this previous research, too, that also has shown that horses' heart rate will increase as a direct response to tension in the rider or the handler. So you put that all together, and you can have a pretty upset horse. Now, the study also found that 40% of the more than 1,300 riders surveyed said they had experienced chest pain while riding, and the likelihood of pain they found increased with larger breast and more weight. Now, if you know anything about horseback riding, it is not at all surprising that this research reveals that breast pain was experienced mostly during the sitting trot. Hmm. Do you guys have any idea what a sitting trot is? I know. Oh, yes. Not a, not a clue. Oh, it's bouncy. <laughs> is it bouncy? Judy? It's very bouncy. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, very it, bouncy. It kind of hurts. Yeah, it's bouncy. Yeah, a, a trot is kind of choppy anyway, but you try to sit there and relax through it and be one with the horse, and yeah. it would be pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. I want to gallop but, or I want to walk. I don't like the trot. Yeah, I prefer a canter if I'm English riding because that's just it's just so smooth and <laughs> yes. nice. But that sitting trot, it's you know no wonder. They also found that 14% of small and 19% of large-chested riders opted to wear a sports bra when they rode a horse, and that compares, this is stark, that compares to 82% of marathon runners who say they always wear a sports bra when taking part in at least moderate physical activity. You know, who knew? Yeah, who knew? Until now, I did. Yeah, I I was doing it wrong all those years. (laughs) Me too. I, I, I can see it now at Broken Horn over there in Southern California going in to get new riding pants and boots, and they'll have a sports bra section now. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I want to share with you guys something I had no idea that even existed, but it's so cool. Uh, maybe some of you have something like this in your city, but in Connecticut, John Nowinski is the owner and driver of the only known pet ambulance in the entire state. He used to run the service out of his SUV for a while, That was until he took over a retired human ambulance and then converted it into a treatment and transport vehicle exclusively for animals. John says he gets about a dozen calls every month for EARS, E-A-R-S, which stands for the Emergency Animal Response Unit. And he travels all over the state. But the really unbelievable part of this is they do not bill anybody for this service because Everything is done by volunteers. John says our main thing, you know, to be there for the animals, of course, and we understand that not everybody can afford an extra $1,000 bill for an ambulance. 
How cool is that? Very cool. Awesome. That's a great idea. Wish they did that for humans. <laughs> <laughs> the market, uh, job market for rescued cats is expanding. At least it is over in Great Britain, where the British Treasury has now joined Downing Street and the Foreign Office as well in naming a rescued cat to the office of Chief Mouser in yet another building. The latest cat to join the workforce there is 18-month-old Gladstone, who will join longtime government employee Larry the Cat and fellow new edition Palmerston in defending Britain's government offices from mice. But wouldn't you know, of course it's cats. There's always a little drama going on, and this now is due to the strained relationship between Palmerston and Larry. After Larry was sent to the vet, they think that he may have been in a fight with Palmerston. Yeah. Typical politics. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's our country. They're a little saner than we are right now. A cat cam, I'm sure, is coming next, though. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We'll go back to the phones. Here's the number, 1-866-405-8405. Get ready to put those hot little fingers in the phone and dial. In fact, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to have giveaways of the book of our next guest. We welcome Brooke Barker to the uh, show. Hi, Brooke. How are you doing? Hi. Great. How are you? I, I, I'm looking a little bit at your... Oh, hold on a second. Hey, Sunday. <laughs> Sunday is very excited to uh, have you on the air with us. I'm excited, too. Uh, we're taking a look at your book. It's coming out in uh, September. Yeah. It, it's called Sad Animal Facts, and it's really not that sad. I mean, some of the facts are, are astonishing, but I love... First of all, for those that know me, I love cartoon books, and I love picture books, and you have... Uh, this is the best of both worlds you're very for talented. you, Hal. Yes, it is. <laughs> did you draw all these uh, pictures in here? I did, yeah. It's an illustrated book. Um, it seems like if you have to deliver sad news about animals, the best way to do it is with a cartoon that's not too sad but a little bit cute. Well, i got to say some of the facts are, I mean, while they're sad, they're not that sad for me. They're, they're, they're a little bit funny, actually. Yeah. I, I've always thought that animals are just amazing obviously they can do things that humans can't do and it's fun to think about the amazing things they can do with a slight twist can you tell us and share a couple of the facts that are inside the book yeah some of my favorites um zebras can't sleep alone um so if you're (laughs) a zebra they like to sleep in groups because one watches out for the others Ah. so all the times that i have been sad to sleep alone it's nice to know that a zebra feels the same way absolutely can't sleep alone <laughs> and i saw that uh, giraffes sleep a, a mere three hours a night this is uh yeah so it's fascinating to me that giraffes need to sleep for such little time <laughs> every time one of my friends says they're tired i'd always say well if you slept more than three hours you slept more than a giraffe <laughs> i i just love the minutiae because i'm all about like those weird kind of wacky facts and especially if there's a little grossness in so i particularly like the green bear oh, oh yeah so polar bears, their hairs are actually small tubes. So if they get some algae in there, then they turn green. 
and there's really no way to clean yourself because it's inside the hair. So you'll sometimes see green polar bears. Here's one that uh, was particularly intriguing to me, and you'll probably like this, Dr. Debbie. Uh, turtles breathe out their butts. Turtles breathe out their butts. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> it's a good skill. If your pizza's, like, too hot, they can blow on it for you. That's, <laughs> uh, did you know that, Dr. Debbie? You know what? I've never referred to it in that way. <laughs> a little unscientific. got to explain that. Come on. You can't just put that out there and say, you know, move on. How do turtles breathe from their behind? Well, Dr. W might have a better way. I think it's useful for being underwater. I think there's sort of a way to move air from the lungs back and forth from their butt as well as from their mouth. Dr. Debbie has a more scientific word for it. it, it to me, it sounds a lot like passing gas. <laughs> but, but we don't want to get too gross on the show. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully not getting too gross, but herrings also will pass gas in a way to communicate. So they'll pass it in different different bursts or different lengths, and they'll use that to communicate with My each other underwater. My ex-husband used to communicate that way. <laughs> People and animals have a lot in common. And jellyfish have no hearts? Again, like my ex-husband. I don't feel bad about stinging. (laughs) (laughs) If a uh, female ferret goes into heat and doesn't mate, she will die. Is this really true? That one is. Absolutely. They develop a, a fatal anemia from continually being in heat. So, yeah, female ferrets, they'll go into their bone marrow, basically shuts down. So you can spay them, I'm assuming, so that doesn't happen. Right. Well, and that's why female ferrets are pretty much all spayed, because if you had them in the pet world and didn't breed them or didn't spay them, they would eventually die. Wow. So, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, cats, because uh, these are the animals that I'm familiar with, cats apparently cannot taste sweet things. Yeah, I'd love to hear if Dr. Debbie knows more about that. But, yeah, that one is one that's interesting to read about, because besides sweet things tasting good, it's a good way to find out what foods have the things we need in them. So no one's really sure why cats don't have that ability. They can't no enjoy that... ice cream or uh, candy. So no reason to share that with your cat. There you go. <laughs> I've heard that they don't have sweet receptors on their tongue or something. Is that why? Yeah. Huh. They don't have the, the receptors that they need to be able to taste it. Well, this is a great book. Fascinating. And we're going to give away five copies right now at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to our website. Excuse me, head on over to Amazon.com and order it up immediately. Because, uh, Brooke, need, you need the cash, don't you? Definitely. <laughs> She's honest. Is this is this your is this your first book? It is. Yeah. Well, you are an amazing artist, and we appreciate you spending time with us today. Thanks so much. It's been fun. Okay. We're going to head back to the phones for your calls. Don't forget, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Alan Cable with your Real Dogs Doing Amazing Things Watch. Probably didn't know this, but during World War One, pit bulls were revered. They were on all the war posters, and the dog and the little rascals is a pit bull. It seems like every decade has its vilified dogs. I remember back in the 70s, I think it was Dobermans, and then in the 80s it was Shepherds, and then in the 90s it was Rottweilers. It's been pit bulls for a long time now. So here's a real stray pit bull who did an amazing thing. The dog was walking down the street in a small Georgia town when a man whipped out a knife while arguing with a woman. Responding police officers gave the dog the name Hero, and rightfully so. After he was able to fend off the predator so that the woman could actually escape. In the process, Hero was stabbed by the guy with the knife five times. 
Hero's now at a pet adoption agency in Tennessee called Fighting for the Bullies. Some lucky person's going to be able to take him home in just a couple of weeks. Some of you think it takes too long to drive to Buffalo Wild Wings, order lunch, eat, and get back to work in time. It's because of people like you that we've got the B-Dubs Fast Break Lunch Menu. We guarantee you'll get an entree like wings or street tacos plus a side delivered to your table in just 15 minutes or it's free. You used to wish we could serve lunch faster. Now you might wish we were slower, but we won't be. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. For a limited time only at participating locations. Restrictions apply. See participating locations for details. For over a decade, Viagen has been the leading provider of genetic preservation and cloning services of prized livestock with thousands of satisfied clients. Now announcing Viagen Pets, providing genetic preservation and cloning services to pet parents. Consider preserving the genes of your pet to extend the special bond you share with them. Get your free information kit and special offer for animal radio listeners at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N-Pets.com. Dr. Debbie, you're all red and flustered. What's up? Well, hey, you know, a lot of a lot of pets out there are struggling with obesity, just like a lot of us humans. And um, a lot of times, <laughs> what you're laughing at me? Well, because just yesterday the doctor told us that a ladybug has to lose two pounds. <sighs> See, and and what did they probably tell you? They probably told you that you need to cut back her food and exercise more. Okay, so I every single day I have this conversation at least once. And I'm just kind of getting tired because (laughs) it seems every day I deal with someone who says, oh, I can't exercise my dog. It's too hot. So, yes, Las Vegas is about 110 degrees right now. Um, It is hot, but in the morning it's not. And I'm like, I just, I just don't understand because I think we have some of the best weather in the world except for three months out of the year. And I wonder if other veterinarians across the country struggle with this year round with people saying, I can't exercise my dog. Well, let me ask you an honest question. The people that say they can't exercise with their dog morning, night or afternoon, are they themselves maybe a little bit overweight? Sometimes, but not always. I mean, sometimes it's truly busy people who just don't think they can find the time within their day. So, you know, I have tons of solutions for this. You know, I, you can actually get, they have doggy treadmills. You have one of those, don't you? I sure do. I have one at my office and, um, we use it during the hot months of the year. And, uh, you know, people can do this too. There's a lot of ways you can play with your dog indoors if the weather is inclement. So you can, you know, play retrieving games. You can play hiding games where you hide treats among the house. Do you recommend or, or or should we stay away from putting a dog on a human treadmill? You can. It's just some of the designs can be a little bit less accommodating for dogs because they have kind of that large um, piece in the front where they can't see out. So most dog treadmills are made with the design where they enter on the rear and then they exit over the front. Um, so that's a little bit less scary for a dog to walk up against something. You Is know, it- and even some people just hate walking on a treadmill staring at something straight ahead. It's kind of boring. Is it hard to train a dog to get onto a treadmill? Not at all. Not at all. It is so easy. And this is where, you know, positive rewards go so far. And uh, when we acclimate a dog to the treadmill, it's all about treats, high value treats and getting them used to just going on there. And once they step on the treadmill, we treat them. And that may be all we do is repeat that exercise over and over. And then the next time that we go to the treadmill, we're going to turn on really super slow. And again, treating while they're on the treadmill. And uh, and then you build up to kind of building up a little speed. And there's like, 
little side panels so that they don't kind of jump off or have the desire to jump off. And, uh, you know, you just kind of stay right there with them and engage them through the whole process. Okay. It's very easy. People are surprised how uh, easy it is to get them used to it. So you have to definitely start with it off, which may be the problem why I can't treat my dogs to do that. Mm. You, you start with the <laughs> treadmill off. And just get them yes. on there first. It's Yes, it's all baby steps. We don't want them to be scared. We want it to be something that they enjoy, they look forward to. And my dogs actually run onto the treadmill as soon as they see it. And then they stand there and look at us. They're like, <laughs> okay, let's go. Wow. <laughs> Some of the reasons that they shouldn't be overweight, obviously, I would imagine, you, just like humans, you could get diabetes. There could be joint problems. Yeah. What else? Well, diabetes, um, heart disease, and all, a whole plethora of orthopedic problems. So cruciate ligament injury, a rupture of the ligament in the knee is really common, especially in older, overweight pets, um, especially couch potato dogs. We see that where a dog will just jump off the couch and rupture their, their cruciate ligament because they're just really not very fit and don't have great muscle tone. Mm. So The uh, recommendation on the side of the can for the cat food, obviously written by the pet food manufacturer, and obviously they want to sell more dog more, food. I'm sorry, dog food. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm looking at the can that we feed Ladybug. The Ladybug is now at 10 pounds. The doctor says she should be at 8 pounds. And the can says... Is it like a 13-ounce can? It's so a 13-ounce can. One of the can. larger ones. It yeah. says feed a whole can every day, mm-hmm. which is yeah. crazy. Like. Uh, yeah, and you think you're well, doing right. Of course, I never do. I only feed her half a can a day, and she's still overweight. Doctor says we should cut her, cut her back 15 to 20%. Wow. Absolutely, yeah. And, and those are guidelines. So when we look at feeding amounts, a lot of people say, oh my gosh, food companies are just overestimating so they sell more food. But mm-hmm. a lot of pets are really quite inactive. So their basal metabolic rate is really low. So just like a person, if all you do is play Pokemon sitting in your house, <laughs> you're not doing much. But if you're playing Pokemon Go, you're out and moving. So if your pet really doesn't do much other than run to the fence to bark at something, um, um, then they're not going to expend many energy. So you, you, you really have to take that into accommodation. And, and if cutting back a little bit doesn't help, then you don't want an unsatisfied, hungry dog. So you may need to even look into a weight loss food um, so that she can still feel like she's eating enough without being um, uh, frustrated or hungry. Well, I'm trying to look, instead of doing a weight loss food, is keep the regular food cut back, but add some kind of filler, you know, like like pumpkin or green beans or what's great to add that doesn't add a lot of calories that'll make her feel full. Well, those are some of the big ones and the crunchy things. I find that a lot of dogs really enjoy uh, vegetables. So I have a couple dogs that really like green uh, peppers. So little pieces (laughs) of green pepper, um, baby carrots. um, Some, believe it or not, like lettuce. Um, It's just kind of different. Watermelon. Um, These are all low-calorie items that are just a little different texture. The hard thing is when people want to add chicken. I mean, chicken's great or some other kind of, you know, meat, but it is calories. So you do have to remember that if you're adding those things in, you're actually kind of taking up some of the day's calories. So it's far more uh, fun for the pet uh, to eat more in these little amounts and kind of the treat items. Well, there you go. It's flown by once again. Remember, if you need your fix during the week, it's so simple. Head on over to animalradio.pet. And you can also download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I encourage you to do that. You know, if there's ever a food recall or news that affects your pets, you're going to find out first from the Animal Radio app. And it's free for your iPhone or Android device. So go download that puppy right now. And have yourself a great week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. See you next time.
This is Animal Radio Network. Network.